When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. You thought you knew, but you have no idea. It's the urban sports scene. Listening to the Urban Sports Scene with Will T, Ray Jeezy, and myself, Wole, and we are part of Ampire Media at AmpireMedia.com. It's a special show, man. It's the mega edition of the Urban Sports Scene. What's going on, fellas? Good over here, brother. Checking out this everything. TV. Everything Copacetic on here, man. Copacetic. <laughs> I cannot complain. It's the Will T World. Copacetic. That's what I'm talking about, man. Now you know it. It's it's a regular. It's it's a special day, man. What's going on, Ray? How about yourself? I didn't hear you. you. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, I thought I cut Will off. Like I said, my fault if I did. But I'm just chilling. I'm good. Checking out this TBT tournament. Jimmer Fredette and Trevor Booker playing for the Money Team. I think HBC United. Got me hyped last week, so I've been kind of hooked on the TBT, the basketball tournament. Teams trying to win that million dollars been fun to watch. Yeah, we'll and see. Shout what... out to, of course, Ron. Man. We went to school with Ron, so yeah, man. Uh, that's my brother. You already know, man. But yeah, today, you know, today's the day that Ron uh, passed. Um, he passed eight eight years ago. I can't believe it's been that far, been that long now. You know what I'm saying? Eight years ago. Um, but for folks who don't know Ron, because we have a, we have a bunch of new listeners too at the same time. Um, he's a friend of ours. You know, we all like one of our best friends. Um, Ron also did special guests on the show. So if you go back, you can hear some of the stuff. And, and during our next break, we're gonna play a, a segment of what uh, of a show that Ron was a part of. But uh, I'm gonna throw this out there to, to any of y'all. Like what, like what Ron story do you remember, or what do you remember about Ron the most? Uh. I'll go first. So I, you guys were, of course, because, you know, you guys went to college with Ron, but I knew Ron prior um, when when I was younger, we actually played basketball together. Um, I just remember Ron always just being like a, a gentle giant until you pissed him off. <laughs> and I remember one time during a, a basketball game, uh, Ron was guarding someone one-on-one and the guy um, got a bucket on Ron. And I just remember the next five times down the floor, Ron calling for calling for an ISO and calling for the ball. And Ron absolutely giving this dude work on the block. And it, it's just, you know, Ron was just one, you know, me and Ron, we kind of, you know, we connected because we were kind of like both were real laid back. Mm-hmm. But just to see kind of that fire erupted him you know when someone tried to show him up that's just I, you know i always just told ron i'm like man why can't you be like that all the time like, <laughs> just not me. Yeah, i don't know that's just not me yeah. you know so i respect that man i miss that guy a lot man hey ray i'm just gonna say he, it's funny to think about him because we're of course 
engaged in these HBCU segments. And when we talk about MEAC football, you and MEAC did not have a football team, still doesn't have a football team. But when everybody saw him on campus, they're like, did he play on a football team? And it was hilarious because he just took it in stride. That's the type of guy he was. And I also respect his loyalty. Not only did we hang out, we also played basketball together. Mm-hmm. But, of course, we'll let you know we worked security on campus yeah, together. And yeah. Ron and I got in trouble with working security, <laughs> which is hilarious. And we got pulled up by the supervisor. We should have been fired, but we weren't. But he stayed loyal the whole time. We went in with the story like, this is what we're going to say. Even though we were wrong at the time. We were young, of course. And we, we stuck with our story. And afterwards, Ron was like, hey, we did what we had to do. We kept our jobs. And we had a good time. We had a lot of fun. And that's the memories I'm going to think about. And just recognizing the fact that I got to know this brother over the course of shoot a decade, and it was a blessing. Yeah, yeah, true. There's so many funny stories, man. Like uh, one mm-hmm. in terms of like we will keep on the sports theme. Like Ron was like the only dude, black dude I knew that liked dirt and whiskey like that. Like it was, it was wild to me. I was like, Dirk is your favorite player? How is that? Like how is Dirk your favorite player? I told Ron was always like an out of the box dude, but in terms of like personal stories, uh, I remember we went to uh, Hampton Homecoming. I'll never forget this for the first time. And uh, we, we go into this McDonald's. And it was a bunch of, like, you know, a bunch of chicks chicks from Hampton. And they were like, yo, what's your name? And I said, like, my name is Wallace. Ron looked at me like I was crazy. He was like, Wallace? Who the F is a Wallace? I was like, hey, I'm, we, we're going with this name right now. This is the name we're going with. Just let, let it happen. He was frying me the whole time during homecoming, during Hampton's homecoming. And he used that. It, the whole ride back, it was, it was, was that Wallace? How you doing, Wallace? <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So, but no, like you, like you all said, man. Just you know, everybody looked at him, looked, looked at him on campus, and you think he a big dude. He's gonna try to be a bully or this, that, and the other. Ron was the complete opposite. You know what I'm saying? Like every, like whatever. Which Will stated, what Ray stated, was totally true. One, he's loyal. Was he was so loyal, kind-hearted dude. Wasn't in his nature to be like you know to pick on on anybody or anything like that. If he knew you. And you was a down dude, or you was a down chick, or you was a person who was just like a, a calm spirited person. Ron was going full with you, man. He was just that type of dude, man. He's a one to me. He's one. He's one in a million. You don't. You're not going to meet a lot of Rons in this world. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a, that's real talk for real. Everybody's quiet. You got any added? Yeah, I mean, nah, I mean, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I think you summed it up perfectly, perfectly, more like, um, you know. To his to his daughters and to his mom, dad, and his brother. Um, yeah. You know, you guys have always stayed in our prayers, um, and you know, Ron is deeply missed by not just us, but many of the people he came in contact with on a day to day basis, or even if it was a one off basis. Mm-hmm. No, so true, so true. All right, let's let's get to the show real quick. We can't. I mean, we'll talk about Ron a little bit, you know, during the show a little bit. But um, at Papyrus Media host multiple DMV sports podcast shows such as the John Kine Report hosted by ESPN Washington Commanders insider John Kine and Jones Football hosted by USA Today insider Mike Jones. You can subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also, make sure you subscribe to the Urban Sports Scene YouTube channel as well. Check out the Urban Sports Scene on Podcast DC, the app with hundreds of options and local news and health in the DMV region. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all the Empire shows, of course, as, other, as well as other great content. And don't forget to tweet us at Urban Sports Scene and hit us up on IG at Urban Sports Scene 
and like our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Join our Urban Sports Scene Facebook group. Search Urban Sports Scene, sports bloggers, sports podcasters, and sports debates. And Let's we'll, get into our tradition, uh, right. the pregame. All right, here's what we have on tap. We'll talk about the Washington Wizards being interested in acquiring guard Donovan Mitchell, who currently plays for the Utah Jazz. Finally, in our segment, HBCU Corner, we'll, we have a pre-taped interview with Howard University basketball coach Kenneth Blakeney. Uh, but first, there are rumors that the Wizards are interested in acquiring Utah Jazz guard Donovan Mitchell. Would this be a good fit? I'm going to start with you, Will T. Terrible fit. Absolutely terrible fit. Um, because you already have Bradley Bill. You know, this is be this would be two very ball dominant guards in the backcourt, with neither one of them being their role being a primary uh facilitator or playmaker for others. Now don't get me wrong, Bradley Bill has definitely become a very good ball handler and he's his playmaking ability for others is uh, drastically increased over the years. Um, Donovan Mitchell, the same thing. But to me, these two guys are, are too similar. And also defensively, you will probably have one of the worst defensive backcourts if you were to put these two, pair these two guys together. Right. This league is currently not a defensive league. It's all about scoring. If you look at the top teams, they either have a lot of scores or they have good tandems. Brown and Tatum. Irving and Durant in Milwaukee, you have Antetokounmpo along with Middleton. You have Desmond Bain and John Moran. Of course, Steph and Clay. You can go on and on about the, the firepower that other teams have. The Wizards don't have enough firepower. I think Donovan Mitchell would add that element that the Wizards are missing. You have a defensive-minded coach. It would be up to him to figure out the defensive strategy. I don't disagree with Will. I'm just saying I would pull the trigger and make it work because, again, you need scoring to compete in this league yeah i'm not sure it'll work um just because that you have you don't have a guy who can you won't have a you won't have a a, a table setter with with that situation i think if you had a table setter i wouldn't i wouldn't have an issue with that so say you had a big like you may not have a point guard but say you had a big like Djokovic, right because who can kind you can kind of run offense and you can get everybody you know involved because he's a great passing big man but in this situation, you don't have that individual. When you have Bradley Bill and Donovan Mitchell, these two dudes are scorers. They're not. They're not a guy who can facilitate. None of these dudes are facilitators. So when you look at it, I agree. With, I agree with you, Ray, that you do need like they do need firepower. But if they had a a point guard, because even um, Monte 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 Morris, it's Monte Monte Morris, even mm-hmm. him, he's not really like he's a guy who doesn't turn the, turn the ball over. But he's not like a. A, a, a general on the court. It's almost like a Malcolm Brogdon, like for 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 uh, Boston. He's not a general, but he he could, he is safe with the basketball. So you don't have a, like a facilitator on the team that you can say, all right, it's gonna get everybody involved type of that type of player. So I'm not sure if it works, but I'm, I'm with you. I do agree that you know nothing wrong with hot, with getting that type of firepower. I guess my question would be like, what's the end? What's the goal? Is the goal just to be in the postseason? Because if the goal is just to be in the postseason, then probably yeah, maybe. Mitchell helps you definitely get into the postseason. Here's another thing that uh, another reason why I don't believe it's the ideal fit uh, for the Wizards. When we look at the league um, and we see the teams that routinely advance through the at least to the second round and into um, the the conference finals, those guys have a tremendous 
a guy or a wing, you know, a guy who plays either the three or the four, mm-hmm. um, who is essential to their offense. With the Wizards, if you put so much money into Bradley Bill and Donovan Mitchell because of their defensive shortcomings, I don't see how you would, you know, fill out the rest of that roster. And still, you know, how 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 would you have a, enough money to fill out the rest of that roster from a cap perspective? Right. Yeah, to ask you a question. I'm thinking that. Hmm. Give me a second because I'm trying to figure out again what would be the best situation for the Wizards. It's it's not it's, it's not a whole lot of uh, great scenarios. Again, like Will is saying, when you got two guys who are going to command so much money, I mean, look how much money is already wrapped up into Brad. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. Yeah, Wole, maybe you want to take this one. <laughs> I got to say, I need a minute to no, kind of I think, this. No, I think that Will's right. Okay, well. I'm, and you're right. No, I'm going to be real. Will's, Will's right. It's just that because in, in terms of what the Wizards, if you put all this money into Bill, then you're not. It, it's, it's all dependent on what, what the end goal is. Like, what is the goal? Is the goal just to be just oh. to get to playing game? If it's just a playing game, well, then yes, yeah. it works. If to a Will's point, if if you're trying to be a team that truly can contend, that is going to contend against, say, the the Boston Celtics, the I mean, I'm trying to even lower tier teams like the Atlanta the Atlanta Hawks or teams like that. Like, you're going to need versatility in positions. Like he's like he says, the guy who can play the three and the four. And yeah, the let, let me just say this real quick. Oh. Oh no! Unless you, bad, quick, Kuzma, just, oh. unless you want to add Kyle oh, yeah. Kuzma and say he's that type of guy, oh. go ahead. Real quick, I just want to say I think that from what I understand, Brad's goal is simply to have a team that makes deep competitive playoff runs. I don't even think the end goal is a championship at this mm-hmm. point. So maybe this will be a good fit for that reason. But like I said, I'm contemplating on Will's point, and I, I'm sorry to cut you off. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to. I'm thinking out loud because yeah, it, it is hard to, to bring together a strong roster mm-hmm. with. Guys that command so much money. Go ahead, Will, my bad. Okay, not only that, you know, you, you think about the money perspective, then also, let me ask you guys this, who do you think the winners would have to give up just to get Donovan Mitchell, right? Oh, yeah. I, I, and I know, you know, Wole, you're going to, you know, um, spit out the names of, you know, some of those guys on the rookie contracts who the Wizards have. Yeah. But so, I, I, I'm just being honest. I don't think that other – GMs think that highly of this kind of young core or young assets that the Wizards have on their roster. I don't know. I think, some, I think some like Ruiz. Ruiz definitely a t- is a guy that people would like. Um, it's just that, you know, Gobert, I mean, look at Gobert got, man. Um, it doesn't even – that's true. Like, there's a, the market is all jacked up. Gobert kind of messed with the market. So, I, don't, I can't even tell you what. Straight but, up. So, I can't even tell you for real. Like, you're, to a certain extent, Will, to you are correct because – some people have kind of messed up the market, but before then, oh, okay. I mean, you've seen players. We've seen players traded for far less. Let's put it that way. Like even for instance, with Anthony, you know, um, Anthony Davis is pretty fair because you gave him Ingram. But there's some deals out there that were kind of suspect. You know what I mean? That we've seen that like just because a player wanted out, they got what they got. You know what I'm saying? So it it all depends on the situation and what other teams are willing to offer. Let me ask. Let me. Well, Ray, let me ask you this. Well, let okay. you just stated that Rudy Gobert, you know, that trade messed up the market, right? Mm-hmm. So Rudy Gobert is a three-time All-Star, rebounding champ, four-time All-NBA, three-time Defensive Player of the Year, led the league in blocks in 2017 as a six-time All-Defensive Player, right? Mm-hmm. And you said the, the market was highly, you know, 
essentially you're saying Minnesota overpaid for that. But when I look at that compared to a Donovan Mitchell, who's a guy who's just a three-time All-Star, and I would make the argument that his impact on winning games versus Gobert is less. Is less. I agree. Yes. I can see. I agree with that argument. Well, Ray, Ray, let me ask you this. If, if Rudy Gobert went for what he went for, what do you think the Wizards would have to give up for Donovan Mitchell? Well, I'm going to tell you that DeJounte Murray, look how much the Spurs got for him. So from what I'm hearing, Utah would command three first-round picks, plus you would have to give up a combination of Rui, Denny, and Kispert, and or Kuzma, Denny, and Kispert, who all four of these guys are first-round picks, whether you like them or not. And, Will, you made a good point. You don't know if the rest of the league really values this young core, and that's possibly the case. But if you gave up Rui, Gore, uh, or Kuzma, Kuzma. and Denny. Okay, so Kuzma, Denny, and Kispert, plus three first-round picks for Donovan Mitchell. That's probably the best-case scenario, even though you you lose a ton for the Wizards, and then you can't really build into the future necessarily unless you have a great GM or president of basketball operations. But, yeah, I think just based on, like y'all are saying, what Gobert was traded for, plus you look at the other deals around the league, yeah. This is where we are. You want to give them a ton of, of assets to get this I think brother. you could definitely do it, depending. I think if you do package, because Kuzma, because of the money, Kuzma, uh, Rui, and those, you talking about three first-rounders, I think you that mm-hmm. can help it. That can make it work. That It makes you think. I'll say that much. I know you definitely would think about it. If you just give up Kuz, Rui, and three first-rounders, you think about it. I'll give you that. Definitely think about it. Like, Utah will... We'll definitely think about that because Kuzma, you know, a lot of people still like Kuzma's game. He's still relatively young. Um, and then you like and then Rui. A lot of people like Rui's game. He's young. And in another organization, he could be a better better basketball player. Um, and then you're talking about three first-round picks because it's still not a guarantee. Even if you – Will, like you said, Will, if you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're Utah GM and you've seen, you've seen Donovan Mitchell in person, you, it's not a guarantee that Donovan Mitchell is going to move the needle in terms of winning basketball games. So your first-round pick, those first-round picks, you may F around and be able to get a lottery pick out of that. Or maybe, uh, if not a lottery pick, a, de- a decent mid, uh, mid-first-rounder. mid You know what I mean? So, hey, I, I just want to say this. I like Donovan Mitchell, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But to me, if the Wizards were to acquire Donovan Mitchell, to me, kind of, and I did some, a little bit of research, mm-hmm. the first – couple of years in the league, his first couple of years in the league remind me of a guy who the Wizards acquired back in the day, back when they were the Bullets. Mm-hmm. I still be- I believe they were. And he was thought of as a guy who, you know, who uh, was one of the more elite two guards in the league, and that's Mitch Richmond. Oh, you think you, you compare to Mitch? Mitch is way better than him. But go ahead, though. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, if, if I, no, not, not, not game per oh, se, okay, but okay, I'll say okay. impact, impact on the team winning. Oh, okay. I look so at, exactly. I look oh, okay. At, I see your. I see your point. I see. I see. Yes. Yeah, Mitch. Mitch Sacramento screwed him though. They didn't give him. They give him any talent to play with. I, I'm with you though. Like that Sacramento team, when he was there, it was just Mitch Richmond though. But you, you know, yeah. it was just Mitch. And you could make the argument with Donovan with Donovan Mitchell. Like he he had more help. But I get, I get what you're saying. Though. You're right though. Like it still didn't. It's, I feel like you gave Mitch a little bit more help. It would have been a little bit different, but. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'll say you. this. I, I, yeah, I say this. Donovan Mitchell has played with far better talent yes. compared to Mitch Richmond. Yes, 
You know what I'm saying? But yeah, was I, the sac- I, I, was the Sacramento. Yeah, but I'm with you though. I, I, this is the argument I made with people all on Twitter before. You know, this was even a thing, or uh, and this is before him and Utah in general. Like, Donovan Mitchell is a you know he's a talented dude, but when we talk about winning basketball games, it, it's it's different. Um, when we talk about the whole argument about if, is he a superstar or not, I remember that was a thing, and I was like, you know. I mean, he puts up good games. He has some great playoff performances. Um, don't get it twisted, serious performances. But at the end of the day, it's not winning you winning you games because you know he takes a lot of you know ill-advised shots at the same time. So, but but back to the original part, the original argument is just that you got two dudes who are similar in in the way they want to score the basketball. Like they're ball dominant players now, right? Both of them are ball dominant players. So, I mean, Brad at a time could play off ball, but nowadays he's ball dominant, and I think he wants to be stay that way. So you got two guys who play in the same position. I would say this though, this is my question real quick. Who would be the Batman? Who would be the Robin Rodman uh Robin, excuse me, Robin in in this situation? I'm gonna start with you, Will T. Uh you definitely uh that's a good question. Um I would say Brad would probably be Batman. Okay. Because he's older. This is his team. Brad's a guy who uh was has has led, um, or excuse me, he didn't lead. He he was close to leading the league in scoring, mm-hmm. right? He's done it, you know, averaging thirty points um, multiple times. Even though Donovan Mitchell, you know, has had a shorter career, and you know, from a a career scoring perspective, he's probably a um, a higher scorer. But you know, just Donovan Mitchell's coming into DC, so he would have to probably. He will probably play second fiddle to Donovan to Bradley Beal. Excuse me, Ray. Well, it's such a tough question because Donovan Mitchell can come in with the attitude, like I've had more playoff success. Yeah, see, that's my thing. And you've had that was my thing. That's my thing. And in order for you to get to where I've been, you're going to have to follow my lead. So it will be a difficult, it will, it will be a difficult transition for Bradley Beal to become second fiddle, and that's why. I don't think this deal happens because, again, Brad will have to approve it. But anyway, that's another question. I'm going to go with Will on this one. I'm going to say Brad simply because this organization has said we're building around Bradley Bill. You have the keys. They, they of course, consult him on personnel moves. And also they've com- consulted him about the direction of the franchise. So Bradley Bill has got the keys regardless who comes in here unless it's like KD or something. All right. So on Twitter, uh, uh, Brando said Bill for – a third of a season than Spider. Um, I guess Spider would be Batman after after that portion. Uh, mm. My man Cam, uh, Cameron Camingo uh, said Bill is always going to be Batman because he's the longest tenured wizard on the team. Um, my man Kevin Sta- uh, Staffield of uh, Stanfield, excuse me, I said too often he's the he's the Batman that went missing right after the Dark Knight. <laughs> Talking about Bradley Bill. Um, and and the rest are like replies. All right, so but yeah, for me, I have I have like to to Ray's point because I feel like you gotta do it the biggest stage or or the biggest environment. And Ray's talking about the playoff performances. And to me, when you see the thing about this cool with Donovan Mitchell, we just talked about how like Will said he doesn't move the needle, but in the ter- in terms of playoffs, he takes his game to another level. In the postseason, he plays a lot better. Um, and that's something that I feel like you know. On that stage, he shows out. He does show out. Like he's had some amazing playoff performances. 
that but that even gives you the the i the get that even puts you to a discussion of is he a superstar or not you know what i mean like that's always a discussion because of his postseason play um while we look at bill and we've seen bill you know though he puts up like will said you know second and second in scoring right that year behind stuff yeah scoring behind stuff um but in terms of games we've seen individual games where you know they needed him with the next the last two minutes and he he doesn't show out right Ray, we talk about this all the time like Within those, you know, two minute spans or whatever, you need Bill to become clutch. Bill to give give you that clutch play or that defining moment or whatnot. And he always falls short. And it's like the silliest thing. He'll dribble the ball off, off off his foot or something like that. But well, we've seen Donovan Mitchell have a bunch of clutch moments in the postseason. Like what comes to mind, come to mind when he went when he had a duel against um, Murray from. Uh, Murray from the, the Nuggets, they were going back and forth. Those two were going back and forth. They remind me of Dominique Wilkins and Larry Bird. So, like, I would put – I would say Mitchell would be Batman, but I get it. Longevity speaking, because this is, this is Bradley Bill's team because of what the Wizards have done in terms of what they've built here. I get that argument. But in terms of sheer basketball play, I would give the edge to Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean – and then again, we never know. Maybe the Wizards drafted uh, another Donovan Mitchell type player in Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. Oh, that boy struggling. You never know till the season yeah, starts. That boy struggling. <laughs> <laughs> that boy don't. I mean, I mean, well, it, it was just, like... it, 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 look, look. I, it, it was just summer league. We don't know. Maybe he was just getting accustomed to the speed of the game, yeah. playing. You know. Um, getting accustomed to the wizard system. So there were a lot of variables, a lot of things, you know, through the summer and into training camp, he'll be able to be better acquainted with his team's offensive and defensive philosophy, playing with his the guys who are actually going to be on the roster um, and getting himself acquainted with the league. So we never know. It's really early, you know, so let's not, let's not go overboard. Hey, but, you saw his game, though, bro. Go ahead, bro. But you saw his game. I did. I did. I did. I did. I, did. I had a couple moments. I was like, man, WTF. <laughs> All right. As part of our HBCU corner, corner segment, we'll play our interview with Howard University basketball coach, coach excuse me, Kenneth Blakenley after the break. It's the Urban Sports scene. But I just. You dig? On Amp on Empire Media. <laughs> That's AmpireMedia.com. Dot com. Channing Crowder is kind of telling, though, isn't he? Uh-huh. And he's, and he's kind of snitching. He's I hate he, he, is, he is telling, but McClain came out today and said, you know, hey, yeah, I spit on the man accidentally. You know, That's I was, talking, I know. Yeah, I, I was speaking, all. you know, whatever I said, uh, spit came out. I mean, out. he, 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 he didn't pull a Romanowski, did he? But you see his neck jerk. Yeah, his neck jerk. His neck jerk. He did spit on the man. If you did, he should just say Go ahead, my bad. He's on Twitter. He's everywhere saying, I didn't do it. Then all of a sudden, it's like, I didn't do it on purpose. Come on now. McLean looks like James Tony to me. He just looked like <laughs> outside of cameras, man. He like he could be a real mean dude. So Ray Rice was on what, Twitter. He wouldn't even talk about it. I'm sorry, I mean, because from what I hear, this is not his first incident that he's done that. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, I heard he's a dirty player. What's wrong with spitting on somebody? Aren't they playing football? Like Ch- Channing Crowder man. said, man, you get killed in the hood for that. You know get killed. You know, Channing Crowder has developed a reputation right now talking a lot of trash to opposing team. You saw what he did against the Jets. 
Same thing we did against the Patriots. I mean, it's like Mark Scott. Mark Scott. Yeah. It's, it's not an excuse down. to spit on yeah, somebody. You don't spit on a man. You it's don't spit on another spit on, man. You were Tom Jackson, who wouldn't even stand up to rush Limbaugh. <laughs> Tom, I would be on a plane back to his hometown. We'll be, we will meet. Come on, man. <laughs> I know. I, I laugh. Come at that. on, man. Tom Jackson. Come on, man. You think Chris Bird would have let him give him some time off to go up there? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, another game we had, Kansas City, Oakland, man. All of us picked the black hole, man. That was, I mean, you guys watched the game? It was a pretty good game. It was the game of the week. Yeah. I mean, right now, both of them are playing pretty good. Oakland's, what, 5-4 and right now, playing playing great. I mean, the Chiefs are struggling a little bit, but they're still winning. I mean, is this the same rivalry of, like, maybe a few years ago when they were actually Uh, Maybe maybe for this game and maybe for the rest of the season. But beyond that, it's Oakland and Kansas City. Well, see, it's, it's still a rivalry out in the West. And Kansas City and Oakland, it still means something. But nationally, it hasn't mean anything in a while. Since probably, probably Joe Montana. Yeah, Joe Montana. If that. Marcus Allen. Probably that Oakland's, angle right The Raiders there. weren't even good when Montana and um, Marcus Allen were playing. Marty Schottenheimer yeah, I mean, versus John Gruden. <laughs> I mean, their rivalries are pretty Raiders much built off the 60s and 70s. Yeah. They really haven't had a oh, major rivalry. My bad. Uh, what was Nebraska's coach name? Callahan. 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 Yeah. He was the coach back then. Well, uh, you're listening to the Urban Sports Scene, part of Empire Media, EmpireMedia.com. And it is time for HBCU Corner with Urban Sports Scene. And Wole, we had this brother on the show before, but it was part of our D.C. area basketball series. So now we're excited to have him back as part of our HBCU Corner segment. And he is, of course, none other than the head men's basketball coach of Howard University, Kenneth L. Blakeney. What's happening, my friend? What's up, fellas? How y'all doing today? We're doing good. How about yourself? Man, I'm doing terrific, man. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, like, so what we typically do here, so like Ray mentioned, we had you on, uh, you know, for our DMV basketball segment. But this is now we're talking about HBCUs. And what Ray and I typically do on here, we kind of love homecoming. You know, Howard, we're talking about HU, the HU. (laughs) Like, so first off, we know Howard's a mecca. I mean, we know this. We're not going to play it all. We went to Eastern Shore. We're not going to play it all. Uh, but how was Howard's homecoming this year? October 22nd. Ooh. <laughs> I, got, I got the date right on the tip of my tongue, guys. <laughs> Come on through. Pull up, as the young kids would say, right? <laughs> I know. I know that's right. <laughs> Pull up. Uh, it's, it's exciting, man. I had a chance. I just came from Atlanta. I was down at the UA event. And while I was down there, I uh, there's certainly a heavy HU alumni section that's down there and had a chance to spend some time with them. They actually had a, a HU alumni event that I was uh, I had a chance to go through and everybody's so excited about what's going on right now with HU, obviously our spring sports with track and field, um, softball, you know, doing stuff on the national level, our women's basketball program, winning it, going to the NCAA tournament, you know, our swim program, our golf program, our athletic director, Mr. Kerry Davis, has done an incredible job. And I'm really excited to see Coach Larry Scott's uh, football team this year, man. He is a class dude, and I know he is going to rip it this year. So I'm excited about HU. I'm excited about our sports and looking forward to seeing both of you at homecoming on October 28th, 22nd, excuse me. October 22nd. Now, I want to say real quick, the last time we had a Howard coach on, it was Coach Scott. And we got in trouble for calling Howard the Mecca. So, some people came at us for that, which is interesting. But it's all good, though. Here's the, here's the thing, real quick, because as I think about that, of course, Diddy on awards, he, he announced a big donation. What was your initial reaction to that? 
Well, I had done a podcast probably around a week or two before that with Jason over at Sports uh, Illustrated. And the whole conversation was about NIL. And he set up a scenario that talked about what if there was a donor or what if there was an alum that, you know, would invest, you know, that kind of NL, NIL money into an HBCU and he at Diddy. So I don't know if it's just a coincidence or if he actually got the message, but we are grateful, uh, you know, with, with Diddy's partnership. Obviously, he is an alum, uh, and we're so proud of what he's doing and what he's done for so many people and for our culture. Uh, so to have him, you know, continue to be uh, a guy that has given back to Howard and uh, to see him shine, man, to see, see Brother Love doing his thing is nothing but, you know, what HU is about and how our, our alums are prospering after they leave the university. It is Howard. I mean, like, like Ray, it's still the Mecca, you know? Let's keep it a buck, Ray. And we think of Howard, like we think like, I know we think like a different world. When I think of Howard, I think of a different world. I feel like it was based on like Howard on the load of me. I don't know. That's just me though. That's you and me. That's how it's brother. Well, coach, we'll get right into like, you know, the program itself. You made a lot of progress within the program. Last season, Howard was second in the MEAC and during this season, almost beat Notre Dame who went to the tournament. Um, how happy are you with the direction of the program? I, I love with our direction that we're going. Uh, we've gotten a chance now to get more of our young men in and uh, guys that we really feel understand who I am as a person, who I am as a man, who I am as a coach. And, you know, young men that probably were overlooked, that have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, guys that are looking for true basketball opportunities you know, when you talk about Howard, um, there's a history and culture there with our academic side that hasn't, uh, that, that it, you know, as we talk about it just briefly, I mean, it, it is unparalleled. Like, it, it's one of those things where, you know, you can put us up with any university in the country. We got people in the White House. We got people on Capitol Hill. We have people on the financial sector. We have authors. We have, you know, educators. We have lawyers. We have entertainment. Like, you know, Howard has never had a consistent men's basketball program that has had the, the, you know, continued success or consistent success. So to try to follow up what we were able to do last year and to take the breakthrough year of last year and now see if we can build off of that is incredible. I think we might have lost six games by either one possession uh, and maybe like another game that was, you know, a four point game. So we're right there, man, at doing some really unique and special things. And I think, you know, our young men taking uh, the experience of what they had last year and building on on that, coupled with the new guys that we have uh, coming into the program, I, I think we have a chance to be pretty good. And almost beating Notre Dame, did that bring give your team a little bit more confidence during that season, during the season, during last season? Well, I, I just, you know, I want to start with like, you know, Notre Dame coming in to play uh, a mid-major or whatever level people consider us at their own place is unheard of. It's true. Uh, true. You know, so I, I have all the love and respect for Coach Mike Bray and Notre Dame for wanting to do something like this. And they've, uh, you know, it, it's worked out so well for them and the, the feedback was so 
positive that they're playing an HBCU this year at Notre Dame uh, in football. So uh, it's been well received. I I think that, you know, our guys knew that they were good. And, uh, you know, it's having that opportunity to showcase themselves against a Georgetown, against a Villanova, against a Notre Dame, to beat Bradley on the road uh, by 20, uh, you know, it, it was all part of our our program learning how to grow, learning how to win. So now can we couple that and take the next step? So, you know, I mean, you know, 2022-23 season, right, it's, it's almost here. Um, how is this team, how is this team looking, you know, going to the season and what's your outlook on it? Yeah, I, I think we got a chance to be a really good defensive team. Um, that's what I'm really excited about right now. I think in the past we've been an okay defensive team, but we haven't been a team that has limited our opponents to one shot. And, you know, I love our length. We have guys that are 6'7", 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", with a lot of versatility where we have some interchangeable parts where defensively we can be a little bit more, I think, diverse in how we defend. Uh, we can switch a lot more. We can play ball screens a lot more. I think we can do a lot more with pressing. So I'm excited about our team, especially defensively. Uh, you know, in my first couple of years here, we've always been one of the teams at the top of all of the offensive categories. So to now have a chance to couple that with really good defense and more length, which I hope translates to more or better rebounding, um, you know, I think it's going to give us an opportunity to to save more possessions so we have a better chance on the offensive end to continue to score at a higher clip. Coach, uh, this is a two-part one. Uh, so, one, you're building something like you're talking about, something great, and you still play a bird gymnasium, which is a little on the smaller side. I've had a coach come up to me say, I want to see the Howell men's basketball program grow out of that arena. But you also, you got the camera background. so. Does the arena really matter? And is that part of your vision? Also, going back to our discussion prior to uh, us coming on, you talked about some Howard guys that are playing in NBA Summer League right now. Kyle Foster being one. Talk about him a little bit and the guys you're excited about that are currently out there balling in NBA Summer League. Yeah, I had the two great questions, and thank you for asking. I think, like, you know, I had a whole discussion with someone that uh, – said the same thing, like, hey, I, you know, you guys are doing so much. What's the, what's kind of the plan of the arena? And I was like, you know, I played at Duke, right? And it's kind of the same thought process is like, if we can make that a home court where we feel like it's a competitive advantage, why change it? Agreed. Mm. You know, we can go down and play where I think it's called the Go-Go's Arena, where the uh, G League Washington Wizard team plays and, uh, and, the, and our, our, our lady team, the Mystics. Um, we can play our games there, but now, you know, for our students to get from Howard University over to the Go-Go's Arena, you know, at a time during the day where you may run into some traffic, you know, I don't think we're being fair to them because it's going to be an hour trip over to the Go-Go's Arena. It's going to be a two-hour game. It's probably going to be another 30 to hour-long trip getting home. Now you're talking about three and a half to four hours out of their day where they can be studying, they can be having some student activities, they can potentially be working, or they can be just, you know, interacting to 
develop friendships that can position them for things in life uh, that can be beneficial down the road. So I love our, 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 our humble uh, arena. I, I think it's perfect. I, I, you know, one of the things that we talked about uh, with Mr. Kerry Davis, our athletic director, is maybe potentially putting in bleachers uh, across from our benches, the, the home and away benches, right. so our students now can be on the court and I think become even more part of the game and the environment. Uh, you know, there's, there's young men and women that uh, I think have become even more involved in the Duke University program because they had such a positive experience of being a Cameron crazy. Uh-huh. Now they're donors. Now they're taking young men in for internships. Now they're taking young men and they're being mentors. Maybe there's some students that are going to Howard and because of having such a positive experience attending Howard University men's basketball games, they come back and they want to contribute in some kind of way. Uh, that would be such a, uh, I think, a fulfilling and round welded, round well, uh, you know, experience for them as students and, and then as alums. And the second them. question, yeah, about oh, guys in the league. Yeah. <laughs> the second question about guys in the league, it's incredible that we have three young men right now that have donned the Howard University jersey that are out playing in the LA Summer League. Um, you know, Kyle Foster, McCord Maker, and RJ uh, Cole that ended up transferring to, to UConn. But, you know, I think that's a huge testament to, you know, our program and what we're building. Uh, I never coached RJ. He uh, left before I got here, but he'd done such a tremendous job of, you know, positioning himself for an opportunity to go play, uh, you know, further and coaching and recruiting McCore Maker and now Kyle Foster. Um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of fascinating to see because, you, you know, you look around at the landscape of other universities some of those universities that are power five universities can't say that they got three of their former players in the LA summer league. So uh, we're lucky, we're blessed, we're fortunate. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing those young men continue to have more opportunities as the LA summer league is moving on and going into training camp. Testament to your work coach. It really is. Um, also, in, just in terms of like the, you know, some of the current players you have going into the 22, 23 season, who are some of the players uh, should folks who are watching this uh, be keen on uh, looking at, you know, keeping their eyes on? Well, we have two guys that are returning from our program that, uh, you know, were all conference players last year. And that's Elijah Hawkins, our 5'10 point guard from DeMatha Catholic High School. He's a Washingtonian, so grew up not too far from Howard University. And Steve Settle, another DeMatha Catholic High School alum uh, that is – from PG County, uh, those two guys were both second team all league for us uh, last year. So, you know, we, we should start with those guys. You know, Elijah is a guy that I think he might've ended top 10 in the country in assists and top five in steals as a freshman. Um, so his path, man, is really bright and I'm excited to have him be the quarterback of our team. Uh, you know, great thing about Elijah, like this summer, he's doing an internship on Capitol Hill. Oh, wow. And uh, nice. this week with his internship, he's going to be at the January 6th hearings. So we're excited about that and his mm-hmm. growth and 
the exposure that he's getting off the court, we really know that it's going to help him uh, long term with the relationships and networking. And, you know, that's the reason you come to Howard. Right. And Steve Settles has dedicated Settle has dedicated himself this summer to putting on some pounds and working on his game. Um, this is the first season that Steve has played a complete season since he was in the eighth grade. So, you know, it's been about six years, man, since he's actually played in this many games consistently and been a part of it in a way where, you know, he's had got a major role. Uh, Steve is 6'11". He's up to 185 pounds. When I got him, he was 145 pounds. So we're excited about you know, those two guys coming back. Um, we have Jelani Williams, who is our grad transfer that's coming in from the University of Penn. Jelani is a Washingtonian and uh, from the DMV. Um, he played at Sidwell Friends and he's a team takeover guy. So, you know, we're really excited about what he can bring to the table. Uh, last night, he scored 27 points down at the Kenner League, was his first time down there playing. So, you know, we really feel like his leadership being older, uh, his ability to, you know, be versatile, a Swiss Army knife, he can play multiple positions, um, his basketball IQ. I'm so excited about Jelani. Uh, we have Reese Brown, who transferred in from UNLV. He is 6'9", uh, a pogo stick with a 41-inch vertical. Um, he is a little bit of a Swiss Army knife as well. His defensive versatility should be something that really helps us a whole lot, along with his ability to rebound. Um, he's a guy that, you know, can be really versatile on the offensive end as well. Uh, he's a really good catch and shoot guy. He can put pressure and get downhill and attack the basket. The one thing I love about him is that his IQ is off the charts as well his ability to make plays for others or his ability to be a unselfish cutter in our offense. Uh, we got Kobe Dixon, another grad transfer in from, uh, from Cornell. Kobe led their team at 6'9", 250 in assists. Ah. So now we have another guy who's a willing playmaker, a big body, a guy that can do some damage down on the low block. Um, but his playmaking ability for us is something that is really important because we don't have a lot of guys that can just break a dude down and go get a basket. We have to be unselfish and play at a point with where our IQ can, you know, you know, make plays for others. We have Shaheem Odom. Shai at one time was a top 20 player in the country when he was a ninth and 10th grader. Uh, he transferred from his high school uh, in Boston out to Sierra Canyon. So he was on that, famous Sierra Canyon team with Bronny James and mm -hmm. all of those high major guys. And shy for us, you know, you think Draymond Green, you know, at six, 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 seven, he's a guy that can make plays. He's a guy that's athletic and bouncy. He's a big body guy. When I saw him the other day, I walked into the gym and I was like, yo, who's that grown man down there? Because <laughs> His, his shoulders are as wide as a refrigerator. His body is jacked. And, uh, you know, he, he hasn't played a college game yet. He's just stepping on a college kind of campus. So he understands how to play. He knows how to get easy baskets for himself, easy baskets for his teammates. And then he's got a toughness and a rebounding uh, gear about him that, that is also helpful. 
Um, so at the core, we got a lot of guys. I'm excited about Jordan Wood. Jordan is a 6'9 kid out of San Antonio, Texas. This will be his second year. He didn't play, obviously, too many games this COVID year. Uh, he played some games for us this year, did a good job, probably averaged three points a game. But Jordan has been training for a marathon. And uh, my thing with him is that I said, I don't care if you make a shot or do anything basketball this year. I, I want you to go challenge yourself in a way where, you know, the stuff we do on the basketball court becomes easy. And, uh, you know, so far, so good, man. He's up to like 16 miles. Uh, I think he's going to run in the Marine Corps mar Marathon in August uh, in D.C. So he is committed to doing all the things he needs to do this summer to make himself a, a, a terrific basketball player. It's kind of interesting because when I'm, you know, I had a chance to work at the NBA Combine and the one team, the one guy that teams consistently asked about was Jordan Wood. So, you know, he's on team's radar uh, and now it's for him to have his breakthrough, which I think he's having this summer. So I'm excited about our guys. Amazing. Amazing. Coach, I mean, you, you already mentioned, I was going to go a different question, but I'm going to have to pivot. Um, you talked about your experience at the NBA. I mean, you talked about being, being at the NBA combine. How was that experience? It was unreal. Um, it was unreal. Our first day there, we have a coaches meeting and it's headed by uh, coach Jim Boyle, Boylan, who was the former coach at the Chicago Bulls. And he is, as sharp and as good as, you know, I've ever been around. And it was like, okay, here's your playbook. Uh, know these 20 plays by tomorrow morning. <laughs> so uh, it was intense. They were unbelievable in their, uh, I think, willingness to allow us to grow and coach and learn and teach. Um, you know, to have a, I was nervous, to be honest with you, because I was like, I don't want to be responsible just meeting these young guys, uh, you know, for anything that may go right or wrong these next couple of days with their career. Um, so I, I didn't want to mess anything up, but you know, it's basketball, right? And uh -huh. these young men want to be coached. They want to be led. They want to have structure and they did an unbelievable job, man. So hats off to the NBA and uh, everybody that, you know, took part of, the combine that allowed, you know, our university, Howard University and Morgan State, both our men's and women's staff to be a part of that. Uh, you know, the NBA did a terrific job with that. Wow. A lot of information coming out. You got a big team coming back next year, too. The MEAC is going to be <laughs> sick, man. I'm excited. I'm so glad Howard was staying in MEAC, too. I had to throw that in there. I apologize. But I've seen you this summer. I mean, hearing the dedication to your team, you taking pictures with the VP and stuff. You, you just got a lot going on, but you still just hear the in-depth, just information you're giving us about each player. Like, it's amazing how you're still able to dedicate that amount of time. Um, you also had the time to get back to Duke uh, for retirement. Talk about that experience. Also playing Carolina at the time. <laughs> Was that purposeful? And how did you feel about how Coach K's career ended against Carolina. It's just like, how did that happen? <laughs> Ray's a Carolina fan. FYI. I, 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 I hear him. I got him. Used to be a Carolina fan. Let me I grew up a Carolina fan, but I'm a, a, I'm a alum of the, U, of the University of Maryland. I said used so to be. I proud. Used to be, bro. I said so, used I'm, to be. <laughs> listen. No, it was, look, I think, you know, to have a chance to go down and celebrate Coach K 
his accomplishments, um, the man he is, you know, all the things that he's done for every player that's played at Duke was awesome. Um, when we first got there, Tyler Thornton, who's on our staff as an assistant coach, he's a Duke alum, and I drove down together. We had a uh, off weekend, so we were able to get down for that for that game. And uh, there was a room where all the alums that have ever played for coach was there. And the thing that kind of you know gave me chill bumps and was so warming to me is that you know you talk about the brotherhood. Every last dude in that room, and there were 100 people in that room, knew what the heck was going on with Howard University men's basketball team. Mm. That was so awesome. I mean, it really was one of those moments where I, I got emotional because you have guys that are Hall of Famers, you know, all-time greats talking Howard basketball. Like, so, you know, and they were so proud of, you know, the strides that we've taken and where the program is headed. Um, that was really cool. And then, you know, to be there in the hallway, they lined, you know, all hundred of us in the hallway on both sides and to see everybody like a kid in a candy store, you know, taking their cell phones out and shooting videos of one another and pictures before, you know, we even got out the tunnel. It was like, you know, it was electric, man. And everybody was connecting. Everybody was happy. Everybody was excited to, to go out and celebrate Coach K's, you know, last game in Cameron. And then you line up on the court and, you know, the Cameron crazies are going crazy, you know, and, and Coach K walks out and the place just ignites and erupts. You're like, wow, you know, like, all right. Um, and, and I think, you know, I, I may be against the, the grain here, but I just thought what a tough situation that, you know, those young guys were in, in that game. And, and a lot, honestly, throughout the year, yeah. um, such a young team where you talk about five guys that all got drafted. Right. And they're, you know, high level players, but they're still freshmen uh, for them to, to be in that, that, that game, which is such a special game but it was the biggest event, you know, in college basketball outside of the national championship game last year. Um, I think it was tough. I, and I think they, you know, right, wrong, and different. It was just a, a really difficult time, uh, I think, at that moment for those guys. But I think they did the best that they could, and they came back and, you know, got to the championship game in the ACC uh, tournament and then made a run to the Final Four, like, that's that's a pretty good way to to cap off Coach K's career. Uh, unfortunately, I know he wanted to win and, and and walk out with a chip, but to to be one of the last four teams playing, uh, that's crazy, man. What a what a incredible career, unprecedented. Probably will never see anything like it again in college basketball, man. He's 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 the best. I'm not going to ask this next question, Roland. I said I was. I'm going to change it up. I just want to say, though, you know, you played for Morgan Wooten as well, just two legendary coaches. And you got the DeMatha pipeline working right now. It's great. It was great to see Quinn Cook there as well uh, for Coach K's retirement. So I just want to put that out there. Just, you know, just seeing you guys, man, from, from here, you know, there, and and what you're building at Howard is, is so dope. But with, with Howard being an HBCU, of course, we want – HBCU athletics to grow beyond just that label of it being HBCU. We just want it to be great college athletic programs. But 
still, it is what it is. It's a lot of attention on HBCUs, what you know in any way. So what do you see the future of your program, what you're building with all the attention you plan on NBA All-Star Weekend? Just how are you going to grow just your program based on all the, the love HBCUs are getting right now? Yeah, well, it was always been my plan that, you know, we need our program to take a look at how Georgetown University was built and what Coach John Thompson did. You know, for me, it, that part is really, really, really important. Uh, I think Coach Thompson started in 1972 and how he grew that program, you know, with the formula of using local DC products, DMV products to, you know, turn that thing into what it, it, it became uh, while he was there and what it is right now. Um, so that's kind of been the formula with getting guys from great high schools, getting guys from great programs, getting guys that have already been coached, uh, you know, here in the DMV, you, you look at it. I don't know what the time period is, but over the last maybe 15 to 20 years, we've had probably more division one players come out of our area and more division, uh, and more pros come out of our area than any other place in the country. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, to see guys now in the front office with Troy Weaver, Keith Bogans is on the bench and, you know, David Vanderpool in Brooklyn to see different folks representing all different layers in the NBA, man, it's such a dope thing to see. So, you know, what Coach Thompson did with making home his base in terms of bringing the best talent the best people, the best students to Georgetown. We're trying to do the same thing here. So Georgetown is certainly one of those universities that we're looking at or that we looked at um, to look at a Gonzaga and what they've done in the West Coast Conference, along with St. Mary's, along with the San Diego State, along with the Loyola Chicago, mid-major programs that have stayed in their conferences uh, and now are national powers is kind of the vision for me, to be honest. Uh, I, I look at those programs all the time from the way they play to their venues, to their branding, and to see if we can take bits and pieces from each as we're trying to ignite what we're doing here at Howard University. It's, it's crazy that you use that example of Gonzaga because um, Norfolk, we had Norfolk State's coach, um, Robert Jones, on, as well before, and he, he used them as an example too. It's like why, if Gonzaga can do it, any school within the HBCU platform can do it as well. Like, and just like you said, like, look how it started. It started from basically the grassroots. They, they were mid-major, supposed to be a mid-major. Now they're like one of the power, you know, power teams of, of college basketball. And look at the kind of kids they're recruiting now compared to what they were recruiting back then. It's, it's, it's definitely possible and capable. Um, but Ray mentioned in terms of popularity and in terms of the trend and how HBCUs are now becoming are garnering, garnering more attention, is that helping with recruiting? Yeah, I, I think more so, you know, there's a lot of young men that are taking a look at HBCUs. I think, you know, where our country is now after three years of, you know, all the social justice, you know, that has happened, George Floyd, um, and the emphasis on HBCUs, uh, along with, I think, what Coach Deion Sanders is doing down at Jackson State, you know, what Coach Rob Jones is doing at Norfolk, you know, what, you know, 
I just think there's an opportunity right now that we really need to take a, a take a you know strong look at. But when you're looking at that and you're talking about that, there's other factors that come into play as well now. Uh, you know, universities and where we are right now is, you know, NILs, right? Yeah. And that's that's a that's where we are in our game. Uh, a facilities race, like a race to see who can get the best facilities. Um, you know, uh, right, wrong, or indifferent. You know, those things are things that young men are asking about, things that they're talking about. Uh, so there are things that we need to be aware of. Like, can we develop and build our infrastructure in a way where a young man doesn't feel like they're compromising anything by coming to Howard? Um, can we, you know, can our young men, can we build a program to the point where we have visibility and they have relevancy now to take advantage of the NIL situations? Um, all of those things are things as we're building this out and we're thinking about the vision, you know, we're taking in consideration. So, yeah, it, you know, there is that momentum, but we need to be ready and prepared to take advantage of those opportunities. So young men that are probably top 100 or below, you know, will really take us seriously. Well, Coach, this has been a great interview. But before we let you go, we typically ask any coach within the HBCU this particular question. What does coaching at an HBCU mean to you? Well, for me, it's home, man. You know, I, I, it's, it's everything about home. DC's home for me. Howard's home for me. Um, to have a chance to work at an HBCU that is a top 75 school in the country academically that, you know, represents all the, you know, what would our country be? And what would our culture be without Howard? So true. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> that, that's one of those. Drop the mic. Drop the mic on that one. Like, you did. You dropped the mic. You did. You sure did. <laughs> you, know, so it, you know, seriously, what what would what would our culture and our country be without Howard? Look at the influences. Honestly, look at the influences. Yeah. You're so right. So for us, man, it, it's you know, look, I. I like, who would imagine me being a teacher at one of the top universities in the country? Like, that's such an honor mm -hmm. to have a chance to work with young men uh, and help them grow and mature to become a Howard man. You know, like I said, I was in Atlanta. I was at this event, you know, having a chance to meet Howard men and, uh, you know, hearing their stories about life after Howard and the things that they're doing. I mean, it's. You know, so it's a, it's a neat place. I'm very honored to be able to do it. Um, I'm very fortunate to have great young men that understand the value of Howard and they want the exposure. They want to have that practical experience. They want to have that resume experience and they want to have a Howard experience. I'm lucky. Definitely. And you always have homecoming for, for a recruiting process. Uh, you, know I mean? you have Howard homecoming for recruiting. It's easy. October 22nd. <laughs> Well, Coach, thanks for being on the show. Is there anything you would like to add? We're good, man. I'm just grateful for you guys, man. I love what you're doing. You guys are ripping it. Continued success, man. And anytime you need me, just holler. Thank you so Absolutely. much, Coach. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Man, Coach Blakeney is dope. Howard's doing big things, like I mentioned like I mentioned prior. Like, Howard, the program is, is doing something special. It's building. It's growing. Um, it's in the, it's located in the DMV. You know what I mean? As a UMES alum, I always got love. I still always got love for the MEAC. Definitely got love for Howard. You know what I mean? I'm from the DMV. I actually, my summer job was at Howard Hospital. So, 
growing up, though. Uh, big ups to Howard. Also, I want to read a tweet about our about our Bradley Bill Donovan Mitchell Batman Robin debate. That was a real debate. My man Taj Wilson on Twitter tweeted, "If I had to pick, I would pick. I would say Mitchell." That's what I'm saying. I think Mitchell has had more highlighted big games compared to Bradley Bill. So I would go with Mitchell as a as the Batman. I had some actual funny ones too, man. Um, some real funny ones. Some somebody said neither. Uh, somebody said Green Lantern. They're more Green Lantern. <laughs> oh man, uh, we got some funny folks on social media. Hey. Subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also, follow us on Twitter at Urban Sports Scene, IG at Urban Sports Scene, and like our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Like I said earlier, please don't forget to subscribe to our Urban Sports Scene YouTube channel. Uh, check out the home of the Urban Sports Scene, Amplifier Media, at AmplifierMedia.com, and the show can be found on Podcast DC. Download the Podcast DC after hear all of the all of the Amplifier shows as well as other great content. And again, man, uh, this is you know this has been a great a great day. Uh, it's always dope to remember a, a, a real one. And um, Ron, Ronnie Watkins, Mega Ron was a real one. Uh, appreciate the dude, man. One of my best friends. Uh, it was a sad day when he passed. Um, you know, but he's been blessed. He's he, he left us here with some blessings, man. Um, uh, his daughters. Aaliyah, Aaliyah, Jordan, Rose. Um, so, yeah, man. Um, R.P. Ron, you know, we appreciate you, man. Much love, man. You showed me what a real friend is all about, man. Real talk. Uh, when I got to Eastern Shore, you know, I had a, a couple friends. But when I met you, man, was, you, you definitely were a blessing, man. Uh, real, a real one. You were definitely appreciated. Um, part, of, part of my circle forever and forever um, in, my, in my heart, man. For real. Because uh, you were definitely one of my best friends man show so much support for the urban sports thing um support everybody man you know we started this thing with fish ray will myself and we actually i wanted you to be on the show i wanted ron to be on the show uh that because you such love sports dude loves so much he loves sports and he couldn't do it because of the schedule um but he always dropped dropped on the show to to be a special guest man so again man you know uh r.i.p mega you know what I'm saying? You that dude, you that dude, bro. You know, still can't believe that you like dirty whiskey though. That was something weird though. Some weird stuff. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't get that. You like some weird folks, like weird teams too. Kansas, just located DMV. You like Kansas? Who likes Kansas? Like no one likes Kansas. For real, like Kansas. Like who likes Kansas? You know what I'm saying? But anyway, like always in this show, man. You've been listening to the Urban Sports Scene for Igis, Yiddick, Deuces, A Mega. Real talk, man. You just out, big homie. Beat out, Kobe. It, it would take Big Ron to, to, to offer that sentiment. Go ahead. You got one more thing to say? Well, Ron? I mean, it would be the same thing if you go to New York. If you go to New York, he, he, no, he's battling against the Yankees, the Jets, the Giants, Jay-Z. It's enough Jay room Miles. in New York for him, though. It's a lot of room. I Isn't think a he, lot of room A-Rod fit in when he went. Right now, LeBron needs titles. 